Section 10. Introduction. We now skip over to Section 10, which should have been placed immediately after Section 3, but it was accidentally placed out of order in the early editions of the Doctrine and Covens and has remained there ever since. In fact, if it had not been for the history of Joseph Smith by his mother, we might have never known the approximate date of this revelation. The gold plates and Urim and Thummim were taken from Joseph in July 1828, and his mother says he did not get them back until September 22nd of that year. This is in Lucy Mack Smith's History of Joseph Smith, page 135. This means that Joseph Smith languished in sorrow for nearly three months, hoping the Lord would forgive him. Of course, September the 22nd, 1828, was a highly significant date, since it had been just one year earlier that Moroni had delivered the plates to Joseph on the Hill Cumorah. Now at last he had them back again with the interpreters. Mother Smith says that it was a few months after this date that Joseph received this revelation containing some rather harsh words which the young prophet would never forget. Now behold, I say unto you that because you delivered up those writings which you had power given unto you to translate by the means of the Urim and Thummim into the hands of a wicked man, you have lost them. Many months had now passed since Martin Harris had allowed the manuscript of 116 fool's cap pages to be stolen from him. The Lord assured Joseph that they are now lost, and they have never been found. And you also lost your gift at the same time, and your mind became darkened. Nevertheless, it is now restored unto you again. Therefore see that you are faithful and continue on unto the finishing of the remainder of the work of translation as you have begun. Joseph had also lost his gift to translate by the power of God. What a joyful satisfaction it must have been to the young prophet to take the Urim Thummim in his hands after September 22, 1828, and find that the gift had been given back to him. Once more he could translate. Do not run faster or labor more than you have strength and means provided to enable you to translate, but be diligent unto the end. Pray always that you may come off conqueror, yea, that you may conquer Satan, and that you may escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. Joseph is urged to be patient. He must not try to labor faster than he has the means provided to accomplish the work. For example, with Martin Harris removed as Joseph's scribe, he will have to wait for another. His wife Emma can help a little, but a permanent scribe will not be available until later. Meanwhile, he must pray to escape the snares of those who are the servants of Satan. Behold, they have sought to destroy you, yea, even the man in whom you have trusted has sought to destroy you. And for this cause I said that he is a wicked man, for he has sought to take away the things wherewith you have been entrusted, and he has also sought to destroy your gift. And because you have delivered the writings into his hands, behold, wicked men have taken them from you. Therefore you have delivered them up, 
yea, that which was sacred unto wickedness. All of these verses imply a certain amount of culpability on the part of Martin Harris. We were aware that his wife had evil ambitions, but the Lord now extends the blame to the plot to destroy Joseph's ministry to Martin himself. Apparently, Martin had not only recklessly violated his sacred promise to show the manuscript only to a select few, but he had permitted Satan to plant in his mind the thought that if anything went amiss through his carelessness, it would be a further opportunity to test the ingenuity of God's prophet to see how he would solve it. Now the Lord reveals the actual plot which those who had stolen the manuscript intended to use in an effort to discredit Joseph and his divine mission. And behold, Satan hath put it into their hearts to alter the words which you have caused to be written, or which you have translated which have gone out of your hands. And behold, I say unto you, that because they have altered the words, they read contrary from that which you translated and caused to be written. And on this wise the devil has sought to lay a cunning plan that he may destroy this work. For he hath put it into their hearts to do this, that by lying they may say they have caught you in the words which you have pretended to translate. Verily I say unto you that I will not suffer that Satan shall accomplish his evil design in this thing. For behold, he has put it into their hearts to get thee to tempt the Lord thy God in asking to translate it over again. And then, behold, they say and think in their hearts, We will see if God has given him power to translate. If so, he will also give him power again. And if God giveth him power again, or if he translates again, or in other words, if he bringeth forth the same words, Behold, we have the same with us, and we have altered them. Therefore they will not agree, and we will say that he has lied in his words, and that he has no gift, and that he has no power. Therefore we will destroy him, and also the work, and we will do this, that we may not be ashamed in the end, and that we may get glory of the world. Notice in verse 15, the Lord says the devil's scheme was to tempt the Lord to have Joseph once more translate the material covered by the stolen manuscript and then revel in the fact that it would not correspond with the stolen manuscript which they had carefully altered. Notice also that in verse 18 to 20, the purpose of this satanical trick is to gain worldly glory by discrediting the unpopular Joseph Smith and make him appear to be a liar. This whole scheme is mean-spirited and evil to the core. Verily, verily, I say unto you that Satan has great hold upon their hearts. He stirreth them up to iniquity against that which is good, and their hearts are corrupt and full of wickedness and abominations and they love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil, therefore they will not ask of me. Satan stirreth them up, that he may lead their souls to destruction, and thus he has laid a cunning plan, thinking to destroy the work of God. But I will require this at their hands, and it shall turn to their shame and condemnation in the day of judgment, 
The Lord leaves no doubt as to the judgment which he is going to pronounce on everyone associated with this devilish plot. Then the Lord exposes the rationale or line of deceptive thinking which Satan planted in the minds of these people who nourished a devilish scheme to ensnare innocent people. Yea, he stirreth up their hearts to anger against this work. Yea, he saith unto them, Deceive, and lie in wait to catch that ye may destroy. Behold, this is no harm. And thus he flattereth them, and telleth them that it is no sin to lie that they may catch a man in a lie, that they may destroy him. And thus he flattereth them, and leadeth them along until he draggeth their souls down to hell. And thus he causeth them to catch themselves in their own snare. And thus he goeth up and down, to and fro in the earth, seeking to destroy the souls of men. It is amazing how Satan tempts people to ensnare them, and then lets it backfire and ensnare the very people who have tried to carry out the plot. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Woe be unto him that lieth to deceive, because he supposeth that another lieth to deceive, for such are not exempt from the justice of God. Now behold, they have altered these words, because Satan saith unto them, He hath deceived you, and thus he flattereth them away to do iniquity, to get thee to tempt the Lord thy God. The Lord now uncovers his own plan. Because he knows the end from the beginning, he is able to anticipate the diabolical combinations and machinations of Satan, who is seeking to defeat the Lord. In fact, way back around 124 B.C., the Lord told Mormon to include the writings of Lehi in his abridgment and then stack the writings of Nephi on top of his father's writings. As he did so, Mormon wrote, quote, I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come, wherefore he worketh in me to do according to his will, unquote. And that's in the words of Mormon, verse 7. So 2,004 years later, clear down in 1828 A.D., the Lord tells Joseph Smith not to translate the writings of Lehi again, but to go right ahead with the writings of Nephi. It turned out that the writings of Nephi covered the same period of history as the writings of his father Lehi, but in a much more spiritual manner. By using these writings in place of the translation on the 116 fool's cap pages, the Lord completely nullified the satanical scheme of those who had stolen the manuscript and altered its contents. The Lord therefore says, Behold, I say unto you that you shall not translate again those words which have gone forth out of your hands. For behold, they shall not accomplish their evil designs in lying against those words. For behold, if you should bring forth the same words, they will say that you have lied, and that you have pretended to translate, but that you have contradicted yourself. And behold, they will publish this, and Satan will harden the hearts of the people to stir them up to anger against you, that they will not believe my words. Thus Satan thinketh to overpower your testimony in this generation, that the work may not come forth in this generation. 
It is interesting how the Lord enjoys the triumph of frustrating Satan, but he tells Joseph to keep this little secret to himself for the time being, at least until he can distinguish the righteous who can be trusted with some of God's secrets. But behold, here is wisdom, and because I show unto you wisdom, and give you commandments concerning these things, what you shall do, show it not unto the world, until you have accomplished the work of translation. Marvel not that I said unto you, Here is wisdom, show it not unto the world. For I said, Show it not unto the world, that you may be preserved. Behold, I do not say that you shall not show it unto the righteous, but as you cannot always judge the righteous, or as you cannot always tell the wicked from the righteous, therefore I say unto you, Hold your peace until I shall see fit to make all things known unto the world concerning the matter. Now the Lord discloses his plan to have Joseph translate a different portion of the plates than those he had translated earlier. He says that this new translation will be from the plates of Nephi. This turns out to be the small plates of Nephi, which were prepared by Nephi to emphasize the spiritual aspects of their history. The Lord says this new translation actually covers the same historical period as that which was in the 116 foolscap pages that Martin Harris lost. And now verily I say unto you, that an account of those things that you have written, which have gone out of your hands, is engraven upon the plates of Nephi. Yea, and you remember it was said in those writings, that a more particular account was given of these things upon the plates of Nephi. The Lord reminds Joseph that even in the earlier translation, there was a reference to the more particular history in the small plates of Nephi. And now, because the account which is engraven upon the plates of Nephi is more particular concerning the things which in my wisdom I would bring to the knowledge of the people in this account. So it will be the more particular history in the plates of Nephi that Joseph will now be translating to take the place of the document he had lost. Therefore, you shall translate the engravings which are on the plates of Nephi down even till you come to the reign of King Benjamin or until you come to that which you have translated, which you have retained. Notice that Joseph is only to use the small plates of Nephi down to the reign of King Benjamin. From then on, he will go back to Mormon's abridgment, which is recorded on the large plates of Nephi. And behold, you shall publish it as the record of Nephi. And thus I will confound those who have altered my words. I will not suffer that they shall destroy my work. Yea, I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Behold, they have only got a part or an abridgment of the account of Nephi. The Lord will now explain why the writings of Nephi are more sacred to the Lord than the abridgment which was lost in the 116 foolscap pages. Behold, there are many things engraven upon the plates of Nephi which do throw greater views upon my gospel. Therefore it is wisdom in me that you should translate this first part of the engravings of Nephi, and send forth in this work. And behold, all the remainder of this work does contain all those parts of my gospel, which my holy prophets, yea, and also my disciples, desired in their prayers should come forth unto this people. 
And I said unto them, That it should be granted unto them according to their faith in their prayers. Apparently the Book of Mormon prophets had prayed to the Lord that the fullness of the gospel would be revealed in the latter days, and much of it is contained in the plates which Joseph will now be translating. He says it will restore to the Lamanites what they will have lost because of their dissensions and apostasy. Yea, and this was their faith, that my gospel which I gave unto them that they might preach in their days might come unto their brethren the Lamanites, and also all that had become Lamanites because of their dissensions. The Lord says it will be of great value to the Gentile nations which will take over this land in the latter days. Now this is not all. Their faith in their prayers was that this gospel should be made known also if it were possible that other nations should possess this land. And thus they did leave a blessing upon this land in their prayers that whosoever should believe in this gospel in this land might have eternal life, yea, that it might be free unto all of whatsoever nation, kindred, tongue, or people they may be. And now behold, according to their faith and their prayers, will I bring this part of my gospel to the knowledge of my people. Behold, I do not bring it to destroy that which they have received, but to build it up. The Lord emphasizes that those who hear the gospel in the latter days will receive that which is not designed to destroy what good things they have already received, but it will build up their faith and add to their knowledge of God and his plan of salvation. And for this cause have I said, If this generation harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them. In fact, the Lord promises that if the people will receive this gospel message, he will restore the original church of Jesus Christ among them. Now, I do not say this to destroy my church, but I say this to build up my church. Therefore, whosoever belongeth to my church need not fear, for such shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the Lord has a warning for mankind in the latter days. If they arrogantly dismiss the message of the restored gospel and set up man-made churches of their own to get gain, then they will feel the wrath of God and be shaken to their very center. But it is they who do not fear me, neither keep my commandments, but build up churches unto themselves to get gain, yea, and all those that do wickedly and build up the kingdom of the devil. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto you, that it is they that I will disturb and cause to tremble and shake to the center. Now Jesus wishes to bear testimony concerning himself. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. I am the light which shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. He is the very one who told his apostles in Jerusalem that he had other sheep besides the Jews, and his apostles understood him not. I am he who said, Other sheep have I which are not of this fold, unto my disciples, and many there were that understood me not. 
But Jesus planned from the beginning that he would reveal himself to his other sheep in the promised land of America and pour out upon them the fullness of the gospel just as he had delivered it to the Jews. And I will show unto this people that I had other sheep and that they were a branch of the house of Jacob. And I will bring to light their marvelous works which they did in my name. Yea, and I will also bring to light my gospel which was ministered unto them. And behold, they shall not deny that which you have received, but they shall build it up, and shall bring to light the true points of my doctrine, yea, and the only doctrine which is in me. And this I do, that I may establish my gospel, that there may not be so much contention, Yea, Satan doth stir up the hearts of the people to contention concerning the points of my doctrine, and in these things they do err, for they do rest the scriptures and do not understand them. Jesus emphasizes the true points of his doctrine and says that these must be established in order to eliminate the confusion and contention which will always prevail where the true points of doctrine are not understood and taught to the people. Therefore I will unfold unto them this great mystery. For behold, I will gather them as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, if they will not harden their hearts. Yea, if they will come, they may, and partake of the waters of life freely. The Lord speaks of the great gathering of Israel in the latter days as a mystery which will amaze the people. It will result in the setting up of a new Zion and accomplish a marvelous work and a wonder. Behold, this is my doctrine. Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. But the Lord wants it clearly understood that the church in the latter days will be only for those who will repent and endure to the end. Whosoever declareth more or less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me. Therefore he is not of my church. And now behold, whosoever is of my church and endureth of my church to the end, him will I establish upon my rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. And now remember the words of him who is the life and the light of the world, your Redeemer, your Lord and your God. Amen. Section 11. Introduction. While Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were making rapid progress in translating the Book of Mormon, Hiram Smith remained in Palmyra. However, he felt a growing anxiety to know how the work was progressing. Therefore, he made the 135-mile trip to Harmony, Pennsylvania to find out for himself. Hiram also had something else on his mind. He felt a growing urgency to begin traveling around the region just as the Methodist missionaries did, only Hiram would tell the true story of the wonderful things that his brother Joseph Smith was doing. When Hiram arrived in Harmony, he had a wonderful visit with Joseph and Oliver, and then asked Joseph if he could become a traveling missionary and tell the people about the marvelous book which would soon be published. After all, the revelation to Father Smith said, quote, Therefore, if ye have a desire to serve God, you are called to the work. 
For behold, the field is white already to harvest, and lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might, the same layeth up in store that he perisheth not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. And that's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 4, verses 3 and 4. Joseph approached the Lord in accordance with Hiram's request, and Joseph received the following revelation through the Urim and Thummim. So here is the text of section 11. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Behold, I am God. Give heed unto my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore give heed unto my words. Behold, the field is white, all ready to harvest. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. Notice how these opening verses in this revelation are similar to those in other revelations requested by various individuals. Now as you have asked, behold, I say unto you, keep my commandments, and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. This verse is exactly what Hiram hoped he would hear. He is extremely anxious to go forth and establish the cause of Zion. Seek not for riches, but for wisdom. And behold, the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto you, and then shall you be made rich. Behold, he that hath eternal life is rich. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Even as you desire of me, so it shall be done unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. Say nothing but repentance unto this generation. Keep my commandments, and assist to bring forth my work according to my commandments, and you shall be blessed. Notice that these verses are exactly what a prospective missionary would be told before he departs into the field. Behold, thou hast a gift or thou shalt have a gift if thou wilt desire of me in faith, with an honest heart, believing in the power of Jesus Christ, or in my power which speaketh unto thee. No doubt this was an exciting verse for Hiram because it verifies that he will have a special gift. No doubt Hiram was anxious to know what this gift might be. For behold, it is I that speak. Behold, I am the light which shineth in darkness and by my power I give these words unto thee. And now verily, verily, I say unto thee, Put your trust in that Spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my Spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my Spirit, which shall enlighten your mind, which shall fill your soul with joy, and then shall ye know, or by this shall you know, all things whatsoever you desire of me, 
which are pertaining unto things of righteousness, in faith believing in me that you shall receive. It is obvious that Hiram's gift is to receive an abundance of the Spirit which will teach him the more profound principles of the gospel. Hiram may have expected something a little more spectacular as his gift, but before he is through, he will be amazed how glorious the ministry of the Spirit of the Lord can be. And now Hiram could not have possibly anticipated the shock that came with the next verse. In fact, everything he has been hearing up to now would lead him to expect the opposite of what the Lord now tells him. Behold, I command you that you need not suppose that you are called to preach until you are called. Wait a little longer until you shall have my word, my rock, my church, and my gospel, that you may know of a surety my doctrine, and then, behold, according to your desires, yea, even according to your faith shall it be done unto you. It is obvious from these three verses that the Lord doesn't think Hiram knows enough to go out on a mission. And no wonder, he doesn't have the Book of Mormon yet, which will be the greatest missionary tool in the church. He doesn't have many of the revelations that will come forth in the Doctrine and Covenants to provide a broad, in-depth comprehension of the restored gospel. Keep my commandments. Hold your peace. Appeal unto my spirit. Yea, cleave unto me with all your heart, that you may assist in bringing to light those things of which has been spoken. Yea, the translation of my work. Be patient until you shall accomplish it. In these verses, the Lord points out some of the very things we have just mentioned. He especially makes a point of Hiram's need to know the fullness of the gospel in the sacred gold plates that are now just being translated. Behold, this is your work, to keep my commandments, yea, with all your might, mind, and strength. Seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word, and then shall your tongue be loosed. Then, if you desire, you shall have my spirit and my word, yea, the power of God unto the convincing of men. At this point the Lord gives Hiram a strict commandment. He is to study the gospel before he tries to teach it. Then the Lord gives him a thrilling promise. He will have his spirit confirm in the hearts of Hiram's listeners that his message is the truth and coming directly from God. This is the key to conversion. Ever since I learned this principle, I have begged the Lord to help me present the message so his spirit could confirm it in the hearts of the people as the true word of God. But now... Hold your peace. Study my word which hath gone forth among the children of men, and also study my word which shall come forth among the children of men, or that which is now translating, yea, until you have obtained all which I shall grant unto the children of men in this generation, and then shall all things be added thereto. Behold, thou art Hiram, my son, Seek the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added according to that which is just. Build upon my rock, which is my gospel. So everything must be in its time, and right now is the time to study. Deny not the spirit of revelation, nor the spirit of prophecy. For woe unto him that denieth these things, 
Therefore treasure up in your heart until the time which is in my wisdom that you shall go forth. Hiram is specifically warned not to deny revelation. After all, revelation from the Spirit is Hiram's special gift. And when truth has been poured into his soul, he is to embrace it, not deny it. Many of the things the Spirit will reveal to him will be new, perhaps even strange, but it is the truth. He must not resist it or deny it. Behold, I speak unto all who have good desires, and have thrust in their sickle to reap. Now the Lord sends forth this revelation to everyone who feels the way Hiram does. If they have a desire to go forth and build up Zion, then these words are for them. Their calling is to industriously study for the present and sharpen their skills so they can become powerful disseminators of the truth. At this point, Jesus wants to bear testimony of himself, just as he has done on other occasions. He says that no man knew him when he came among the Jews. In spite of this statement, most people will assume that at least his apostles knew who he was, but they did not. All of this is explained in the Commentary on the Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 21. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I am the life and the light of the world. I am the same who came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But verily, verily, I say unto you, that as many as receive me, to them will I give power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on my name. Amen. There is no higher glory than that which will come to sincere believers in Christ. They actually become the eternal sons and daughters of God. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to read more on the Prophet Joseph Smith, look for W. Cleon Skousen's book titled Brother Joseph at skousenlibrary.com.